Welcome to the Danish National Biobank podcast. We've been gone for quite a while due to the coronavirus pandemic. We return now, however, to give you this special series. With speaks from our co-hosted symposium, Scaling Omics Approaches to Population Size. This is Peter Nilsson from Lund University. On the topic, history of biobanks. So uh, thank you for the kind invitation. Um, in the past, I used to collaborate uh, a lot with uh, uh, Eva Otega, and she asked me uh, to join you for this conference. I'm happy to do that. Uh, my professional background is in epidemiology, population-based cohorts, biobanks, etc. But I've also been uh, responsible for a small unit of the history of medicine at the Lund University. So I was asked to address um, the historical background. And of course, I cannot cover everything, but want to provide you with a, a few examples, mostly from Sweden, but also from the international scene. Uh, this is the very old first major population-based study in the world, the Framingham Heart Study. It started um, after the Second World War in a small place uh, named Framingham outside Boston. It's famous all over the world because they have been screening the local population, uh, different um, generations. Uh, they also added biobanks later on. So this was a first uh, big study. And when uh, technology advanced, it was possible to measure different things to add technical data. And finally, people also decided to uh, add biobanks with modern technology, freezers and everything. So uh, in summary, it started in 1948. An offspring study to the first generation was added in 1971 and the third generation in 2002, as indicated here with approximately 5,000 subjects in each generation, uh, with uh, many, many publications, more than 480 right now, if you search for Framingham Offspring Study, focus on cardiovascular risk, genetics, and biomarkers. Uh, however, the first generation, this was rather primitive. It was just a very restricted um, uh, number of variables, and then more and more variables and investigations were added later on, as well as biobanks. You should know that in October 2013, the Obama administration in the United States, they cut the budget for the Framingham Heart Studies. Why? Because the federal spending on the Iraq war and other things took so much money so the budget was cut for the Framingham Heart Study. This means that they had more or less to stop new screening. So this is uh, becoming more of a historical cohort as compared to some European cohorts that are ongoing. Uh, they recruit uh, new people uh, for investigations 
and um, uh, they have biobanks. So this is a flagship of epidemiology in the world, I would say, the Framingham Art Study, but a bit old by now and with less information in the first generation. And unfortunately, not so bright future according to new screening because of the budget restriction. Going back to Sweden, this is a portrait of Mr. Gunnar Jönner. He was an engineer um, in Sweden. He visited the United States in the 1950s. He was very impressed by modern technologies. And this he told to his brother, Ingmar Jönner, who was running a clinical chemistry laboratory in Stockholm, Sweden, 50s and 60s. Um, this laboratory adopted modern technologies for um, analysis uh, on a mass scale. Uh, and in the early 1960s, the first large-scale Swedish population-based screening court was established, the Värmland Health Study. Värmland is a county in the west part of mid-Sweden, and the local population there was invited to attend a health screening with a very high attendance rate, about 76% of all invited. So they were screened, questionnaires, some measurements, uh, but um, uh, no blood sampling for a biobank. However, blood sampling for immediate analysis. So with a night train from the local city of Karlstad, to Stockholm were transported boxes of blood samples to this Ingmar Jungner, the brother of the engineer, to put them into his new multi-analyzer um, in Stockholm and to provide uh, the data based on these analyses. Of course, a restricted number of analyses could be uh, done at that period in time. And more recently, we have been able to, to do follow-up studies of the screenees and, and incident uh, uh, cardiovascular events, etc. cetera. Uh, look at this. This is uh, a brochure from the early 1960s uh, uh, propagating this multi-test technology uh, when biobank samples um, were not stored, but were, were immediately analyzed as soon as they arrived to the laboratory. Uh, this was extremely important for the technical development to use large-scale population-based studies, blood sampling to do the analysis, but it also took computer support. Computers were not so well developed at this time, um, and this is why they had to uh, develop also uh, technical um, tools to handle all the data. Uh, that was uh, the, the device itself, automatic blood analysis from this Berman um, Health Survey in 1962. It was put up in Stockholm, but the blood samples from Berman were brought there and analyzed. So, it was like a starting point for mass screening, mass analyzing lab sample of people. 
there was also a special device for analog digital transformation, uh, as well as automatic evaluation and statistics. But that time, as I mentioned to you, computer science was not so developed. So uh, to us, it looks a bit primitive, but it served its purpose in the 1960s uh, to compile the data, to make the data available um, for the National Board of Health and Welfare. People there started to analyze the data. So technical developments in history has, have sparked uh, development in epidemiology and prevention. Uh, this we often see in history of medicine. When there is a new technical development, medical science will jump forward. In the 1980s, you know, the com uh, tomography, computerized tomography, it was introduced uh, for scanning of the brain and different body organs. New technical development provided new data, new results, so that medical science could jump forward. This was, as I mentioned, in the early 60s. Another study that started in the early 60s it was the men born in 1913, started in 1963 in Göteborg, Sweden. A smaller study, less than 1,000 men, were invited at the age of 50 years to a screening center in Göteborg, run by this professor, Josta Tiblin, and his co-workers. So, the same as happened in Värmland, these men were invited, screened, data collected and blood sampling done, yes, for immediate analysis. Unfortunately, the biobank technology was not so developed during these times. People didn't know about the importance of deep freezing, minus 80, things like that. Pre-analytic um, understanding was not developed. So the time was not ripe to have modern biobanks at this early stage. But as I mentioned here, the real first historical step was to establish population-based uh, cohorts like this. Here you see the grim face of uh, my old professor, Batil Hood, a great man in science in Sweden. He started uh, during his time in Uppsala, Sweden, early 1970s, the Uppsala Logitule study of adult men. Then he moved down to Malmö, starting the Malmö Preventive Project in the 1970s, 80s. And in fact, a biobank was established both in Uppsala and in Malmö. However, I would call it a primitive biobank, only kept at minus 20, not the modern quality control, not uh, the modern handling of the data. However, a first step. So in current times, this Malmö Preventive Project biobank is still there but we don't trust it. We don't trust it for biomarker analysis because many of the proteins have degraded because it has not been kept at minus 80, only minus 20. But we can do some other analysis, for example, analysis of heavy metals um, uh, and radioactive nucleoid it's of a coal 14, things like that. So still an old suboptimal biobank can be used for specific purposes. 
But these are two early Swedish biobanks and population bank calls. Also in Copenhagen, Denmark, um, started the Copenhagen Heart Study, the Copenhagen Male Study, many other studies at around the same time, also in other countries, of course. In Sweden, we have a special register phenylketonuria, um, I guess also in other countries, uh, when newborn babies um, uh, are, are uh, investigated with a drop of blood uh, to analyze phenylketonuria. Uh, this is a serious medical condition uh, when uh, an appropriate diet uh, can protect the child from um, neurological handicap. So it's very, very important in the clinical sense. However, that was a biobank, not in, in a freezer, not with samples like we normally understand a biobank, but on pieces of paper, because drops, blood drops from the little newborn child was put on a piece of paper and kept. And for example, when our Foreign Minister Anna Lin was murdered in the 1990s. Um, this register was used to find uh, the murderer because some blood stains um, uh, from the murderer uh, was found on the killed, murdered uh, foreign minister. And tracking back in this archive, the PQ register, this person could be found. Of course, from a legal aspect, it was very much debated, but still the register as such was used. In the 1970s, new discoveries in microbiology, in virology, sparked a new interest to set up new biobanks from patients at departments of infectious disease, from populations nowadays, for example, we have a maternal uh, healthcare biobank is called screening a lot of women, pregnant women, for serology uh, or infectious disease, uh, virus uh, diseases, etc. Uh, however, in the 1980s came the AIDS epidemic, and this is a quite interesting paper. I recommend you to to read um, on. Uh, the history of the U.S. biobanks because they were very much promoted as a scientific tool to understand and control the AIDS epidemic. So lots and lots of people, especially homosexual men, the early days later on, other risk categories were screened and also later on came treatment. But it's so important to have these early biobank samples from a period when there was no specific treatment to follow more or less the natural course of the disease before modern treatment started about 20 years after that. So a medical catastrophe, a disaster, uh, an epidemic like AIDS sparked technical development sparked the need of biobanks. And so a lot of money, funding, technology we was put into establishing these biobanks. 
Uh, of course, I would like to mention Iceland and Professor Curry Stefansson, the, the Code Genetics Project, um, establishing a, a screening of a total population. A quarter of a million people live in Iceland, and they were invited to participate in this project, also to provide uh, biobank samples for analyzing genetics, uh, GWAS, etc., mapping families mapping different disorders. Of course, uh, there was a very uh, heated debate on the commercial use of these buybacks. Same is true in Estonia, same is true in some other countries. Uh, the specific um, characteristics of Iceland is this isolated population in Northern Atlantic uh, that uh, has been living there for centuries, many, many generations, influenced by Nordic Scandinavian heritage, but also Celtic Irish heritage uh, from other um, uh, directions. Uh, of course, this inspired a lot of similar activities in other countries. The new biobanks were established, uh, populations were screened, local populations, or for this uh, case, also a national, nationwide population. So the code genetics sparked lot of interest in setting up biobanks. Uh, in more recent times, we, we have seen a, a new application, new use of biobanks, not only to store blood, serum, plasma, DNA, uh, but also saliva or, or feces. Uh, the, the research in microbiota patterns has emerged and it has grown very rapidly. Um, we know that the microbiota compositum of the gastrointestinal tract, also the oral cavity, is associated with um, metabolism, obesity, immunology, even vascular function. And the dream is to understand this in a better way, to be able to manipulate microbiota patterns. So this is why we need biobank sampling in modern times, not only of the traditional tissues like blood, serum, plasma, but new tissues. Uh, of course, biobanks are also used these days uh, for uh, tissue samples of cancer, for example, uh, for clinical care. Uh, so in summary, I think it's important to recognize uh, this parallel development of medical science and technology. So the first large-scale population-based screening study, Framingham Heart Study, uh, was a pioneer study. The technology was not ripe at that time to offer modern biobanks. So the best they could do was to analyze the lab sample as quick as they could. Uh, then more technical development in the 50s, in the 60s, it meant that a new population-based Screening studies could be set up, uh, new devices for multi-analyzing lab samples were set up, and later on, uh, first biobanks were added in the 70s, at least in Sweden. I think in other countries, similar development. Uh, I would say primitive biobanks because the modern requirements were not met uh, during these early times. Uh, but later on, new technologies and registers for follow-up, high attendance rates were very important aspects, especially in Sweden, where 
like in other Scandinavian countries, we'd have personal ID to make it possible to do national register follow-ups. This is currently not possible in Germany, United States, and in some other countries. So we have an advantage at this. The PQU register, I told you about, it's, it's uh, put on paper, and it also played some important role. And my final remark is that we often, what we often see in history of medicine, it is that bad things, wars, catastrophes, challenges, will put the demand on research, on medical science to rapidly develop. Like the First and Second World War um, inspired medicine to, to find new ways and new breakthroughs, antibiotics and so on. The same is true for the technical developments in 50s, 60s, 70s that, that established a platform for the modern biobanks, but it took another decade or two or even three decades to establish what we call more modern biobanks. And of course, the legal background infrastructure is of extreme importance when people are going to use these biobanks, but this is not what I'm going to lecture for today. So thank you very much. I'm, I'm very open to a discussion. Thanks. Thanks.